Hi, everybody. Welcome again to another episode of the Shop Notes podcast. It's episode number 105. I'm your host, Phil Huber, joined by Logan and John. And that's no background on Logan. He's actually in the tropics. On today's episode, we will discuss the coming of spring, outdoor woodworking, and some new things that are coming along here at Woodsmith and Popular Woodworking. Hope you enjoy today's show. This episode is brought to you by Shaper Tools, makers of the Shaper Origin, the handheld CNC router that brings digital precision to the craft of woodworking. Tackle joinery, cabinetry, hardware installation, and more with speed and precision. You can try it in your shop for 30 days risk-free. Visit shapertools.com to learn more. All right. So, in spite of the weather in Iowa at this very moment, which is icy and gross, one thing that I've been doing uh, this last week here was um, getting some of my outdoor projects ready for another season, which I think is something that we talk about when we build a project, but then never really follow through on. Until it looks like crap. Once it looks like crap, you're like, yeah, maybe I should do something about that. (laughs) Yeah. So I had built a, I don't know, it was a year ago, year and a half ago, we did a staved planter. Hello. That's probably about 10 inches, 12 inches tall tops. Planter out of Cypress. And it's a pretty sweet project. And the one in the magazine had a copper band that went all the way around it. I wasn't a huge fan of that look for whatever reason, but I made my own, uh, gave it to my wife for Mother's Day, I think. And we used it. Um, It did get a crack in it from expanding in Iowa humidity. So this past fall, I twisted some copper wire around it as bands and then put that over the top of it. But because it lived outside and just took a little bit of a beating, I decided to get a jump on spring here and sanded the outside and put a couple of new coats of finish on it. So once the weather does warm up, I don't have to worry about trying to do that then. And there's a few other outdoor things, you know, planter stands and chairs that I just seems like that's a good idea to start thinking about now rather than rather than later. Yeah. So did the uh, the copper band make more sense after you saw your planter explode? Yes. And that was actually the funny part, because when I first had the planter out there, it was kind of shaded by the overhang of our roof. Um, so part of it stayed in the shade and part of it got sunshine and the part that got sunshine just expanded and Hmm. split wasn't even on a joint line. It was just off one of the joints and cracked open, but yeah, you know, it's funny because I have before I packed up and left for this week, uh, I was, we had a, we had a warm day or two and most of the snow melted that we had and one of the items that is on my deck is the patio table we built on the Woodsman Shop show. Oh, yeah. Adventures. And I built the top out of those, out of my Roco. And 
I noticed as I was packing, I looked out there. I'm like, oh, hey, you know, nice. Maybe I'll come home and, you know, everything will be nice and clear and I can refinish those. Because I'll tell you what, after having a foot of snow on it for about six months, well, it hasn't been that long, six weeks, eight weeks, something like that, it uh, it's starting to look a little gray and weathered and it also needs a little bit of loving, which, again, is one of those things that I don't usually, like, I usually just wait till it looks really bad to do it. But yeah. like, oh, I really am enjoying being outside here. So it's like, I can't wait to sit on the deck at home. So first thing first is going to knock that top out. Yeah. And it's just one of those things, like, especially after an Iowa winter where you get a few warm days and you want to just start putting stuff out on the patio and you realize, oh, I should probably put new finish on this, but I don't really want to waste the first nice day putting finish on it. And then you can't really use the stuff. And then you end up just using it thinking, I'll just get to it later. But you have pots in those stands and all whatever, and you're not going to do it. So, yeah. Yeah. We had a few uh, 50 to 60 degree days this past weekend and kind of got that bug to do outdoor things, but it's like, you're not going to trick me, Iowa weather. <laughs> I, I know this is fall spring. Yeah. 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 It's like, it's like so. how the hobbits have, you know, first breakfast, second breakfast, noonsies. We have, we have first spring, second spring, third mm-hmm. spring, the thaw. We have all those. Yep. <laughs> Girls basketball tournament. Yep. Yep. <laughs> so, no, actually, one of the other things I was, I was, I was kind of looking at the deck as a whole, thinking, oh, God, I can't wait to get outside. I have that grill cart that I just, I want to get, more than anything, I want to get out of the photo studio because it just annoys me that it's sitting in there still. I had taken up a right. bunch of room. But I'm so not looking forward to moving that onto my deck. Like, I think, I, I think I, I built it to fit through the door, but I'm not 100% sure. All right. Uh, if it doesn't, I mean, I have a tractor and pallet for it, so I can kind of lift it up about two thirds of the way, three quarters of the way, and then hopefully tip it over the deck. We'll see. Sure. That'll mm-hmm. be. We'll do a like outtakes video when I do that. <laughs> yeah. What could possibly go wrong? Nothing. Yeah. Yeah. That's why. That's why the old. Uh, the old barns had like the big pulleys right in the peak. So That's you right. could lift stuff up and around. That's right. So what did you do on the warm days, John? Oh, I kind of just went out and surveyed what future projects I need to do. We moved into the house back in November. So kind of got everything moved in and bundled up and didn't really get much uh, outdoor time. So it's kind of just seeing what we need to do here when it warms up. Probably more landscaping than woodworking, but there are a few, you know, woodworking related, you know, landscape projects that probably do, but. I think it's about time for a new woodsmith trellis, right? There you go. Uh Uh-huh. Yep. Right. Yeah, my wife has always wanted a porch swing, and it looks like on our front porch there's hooks for like a hanging swing, but I've realized it gets so windy out there that. I think the swing would just blow into the house and through a window or so. I don't know what we'll do there, but how about a glider rocker? Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see. But 
that was nice enough that I was actually, I spent a few hours Saturday or Sunday and Monday in my workshop since that was the first time. I don't know, probably since November when I got COVID just cause it's been so, so cold mm-hmm. that even with the little quartz heater that I have in there, it just doesn't do much. So it was nice to get it all cleaned up and worked on a few projects and I loved it. Yeah. Made me remember how much I like that little shop. Yeah. So speaking of woodworking, Logan, how is Mexico? Mexico <laughs> is, it, it's, it's interesting. Uh, Puerto Vallarta, Mexico is definitely not the same Puerto Vallarta, Mexico I left 25 years ago. It's been it's been 28 years since I've been here. Um, we used to come down all the time with my grandparents. Uh, really? Oh, yeah, all the time. Like, every year we would come down here. And I haven't been down here for 20, 25 years. It is 100% different. Completely different than when we left it. In both good ways and bad, you kind of lose the... It's definitely more touristy. But it's really cool driving around, seeing how, uh, like from the t- the taxi from the airport to where we're staying, um, we passed three different woodworking shops that have all their stuff sitting outside. You kind of see the shop behind, inside. It's like, oh, hey, that's oh, a yeah? 1970s Delta 14-inch bandsaw. Or, you know, oh, hey, look, that's an old <laughs> PM2000. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's... It's just, it's kind of funny. Um, it is, uh, it's it's kind of cool just seeing the different, you know, as a uh, as a wood nerd, I love seeing the different wood species down here because, I mean, it's completely different what we have, right? Like, no, I can't, I, sure. I could not even begin to tell you what any of these species are. And when I, like, we went horseback riding the other day and I'm, we're up in the, in the forest and I'm asking the guy, you know, hey, what? You know, what are these trees? And he, he can tell me the Spanish name. I have no idea what they translate to, you know? <laughs> and the only tree that I know for a fact that they grow here, um, it grows at the higher altitudes, is uh, Zeracote. Uh, oh, okay. And it's like a big pine tree. Um, and you could buy it so cheaply here. Uh, but it's like, technically, you can't import it. I was going to try to find, to see if I could find somebody that would lock me off a bowl blank or something. Um, but technically, yeah. you can't do that. So instead, you have to have somebody lop you off a bowl blank and then spray it with lacquer. Then it's considered a finished art piece, and then you can bring it back. All right, um, but I don't know if I want to go through that hassle. Um, yeah, but it is kind of cool, and it's kind of cool to see how furniture styles transcend, you know, cultures. Like there are a lot of river and live edge tables down here, a lot of them, and I don't know if it's the, oh yeah. yeah, I don't know if it's the more modern type aesthetic that a lot of these resorts and hotels and restaurants and stuff are trying to go to or what. Um, but there's a lot of live edge river type stuff down here. Um, that was one of, I, I noticed it because, um, one of the, uh, furniture shops, uh, La Carpentria that we went by had their furniture out, but they also had these huge live edge slabs just stacked up against the wall, like ratchet strapped to their pillars outside. Um, yeah. Like, oh, hey, I could you know slot slab from eight eight lanes of traffic away. Um, so it's just kind of it's kind of interesting. So beautiful weather though, man. Can't beat it. It's like sure. eighty degrees for the high, sixty five in the morning. It's it's wonderful. So 
Am I ready to get back to Iowa? Yes and no. But, you know. <laughs> yes, because I have a lot of stuff that I have to do for the next issue of Pablo. But no, because it's Mexico, man. It's relaxed. I've drank too many pina coladas. Mm. Getting soft. And go fishing. And go fishing. And fishing, yes. Fishing's good here. Except, yep. I'm a little wuss. I get so seasick. I took so much Dramamine, and I was still like, I was miserable. I was blast, but I was still miserable. So, you know, six foot seas in a little twenty four foot boat. Ooh, a lot of, right. a lot of up and down. So, yeah. So you're gonna be able to bring some of your fish back? Yeah, I got a bunch of mahi mahi um, frozen in the freezer. Um, the the guys we were fishing with, uh, that's how they feed their family. So we caught. We caught eight of them, and I was like, "Ah, oh, just you know, give us four. You guys take four. Um, technically, I think as Mexican citizens, they can take ten fish per person, but with us having sports fishing license, I think you can take you can take ten fish, but certain fish count for multiple fish. So I think technically you can only take two mahi mahi. So no. I was like, you know, just let us take our two each. Um, we'll freeze them so they're in the freezer here. I'll pack mule them back and. <laughs> Throw them in the overhead bin. So do you have to butcher them down there or fillet them down there? Yeah, or? they filleted them on the boat on our way back to the oh. to the harbor. So, so yeah, they're okay. they're filleted. They have skin on one side, so you can tell what they are. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, so beautiful fish, man. They're like crazy how different colors those mahi mahi are, and they're they're one of my favorite fish to catch ever. Um, and you catch one and it is like lime yellow or lime green, you know, just that really fluorescent color. And then the next one you pull up is like electric blue and silver, like almost chrome. So pretty cool. Mm -hmm. It was, it was, this is the first time ever that I have been on a school of Mahi Mahi and we're stopped. Cause usually you troll for them. So usually you're kind of motorboating away, um, yeah. trolling a bunch of lures. Uh, but we found a buoy. 30 miles out in the middle of the ocean, just one buoy. And this buoy was literally like six uh, laundry soap containers tied together is what the buoy was. And there were thousands of mahi-mahi around it. So we stopped and they're just, they're swimming under the boat. You know, you hook a, you hook a little mahi, you leave it in the water next to you and it keeps all the other ones around. It was, it was a blast. It was super cool. Hmm. So. This episode of the Angle Journal podcast brought to you by Logan's <laughs> Rants. <laughs> Here's a little pro tip. I heard it's like the best way to get that fish uh, fresh across the border is to pack baggies of flour in between them. So Really? Yeah. I'd do that and get try I yes. And try to get yeah, through like customs. Yeah, I bet you they won't. That won't look suspicious at all. <laughs> or powdered yeah. sugar or, yeah. you know. <laughs> I'm Let me know how that goes. Columbia, John. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> so in other news to this week, uh, I've been on a little kick of finishing projects that I have kicking around or I've had kicking around. So I did uh, a few years ago on the TV show and in the magazine, Chris did uh canister project with a threaded lid and then he had a cool 
router jig for cutting the threads for the inside of the canister and then the outside of the of the lid portion and we had one of those props laying around here i have one for people who are watching on our youtube channel uh, and i'll put photos of it on the show notes page and i never knew what to do with it and i just hated to throw it away this is kind of my standard refrain so what i did is took my block plane and i tapered the outside edge of it so it's got kind of a faceted taper to it which i think turned out pretty cool and then painted it with general finishes acrylic milk paint in basil which i believe is now my new favorite color mm -hmm. everything is going to be basil that i'm going to be painting in the near future uh, and then had my daughter do some drawings on some masking tape. This one's of a coffee pot, and then on the other side is a sunrise. And then she put the masking tape on the canister, and then I was able to carve through it and do an incised carving on it. And tried to take my time and be really careful and sharpen my carving knife way beyond what I thought I could do. And I think it turned out pretty cool. And then did kind of a scallop detail on the bottom. And then did a glued up walnut lid. Mm -hmm. Quarter sawn so that it looks pretty nice. And then yesterday while I was out in my shop, had a turning blank of, it said elm, but it was really very easy to cut. So I don't think it was really elm. And did as a little knob on the top of it which i thought turned out pretty cool and the finish on the walnut because i really like walnut when it has that real deep chocolatey brown look to it and i didn't really want to stain this because i'd like to keep coffee in it whether grounds or whole beans or something like that so i have a nice snug fit on the lid um rather than using a stain and having that kind of stink it up i had a uh, what is it, Brywax or Brewax in Tudor Brown and put that on there. And it was, uh, it's super cool. It's got just a nice feel to it. Great color. Really accentuates the, the chocolate or the walnut color in there. Mm -hmm. So, And you didn't thread the lid on that? It's just I did, I did not. No, I fit. routed a rabbit around the outside. Okay or on the inside and then the rabbiting bit couldn't get deep enough. So then I just ended up chiseling it back with chisels, oddly enough. And then once I got it close, I would test fit it and then used a shoulder plane mm -hmm. and then could follow the curve on the shoulder plane and made it essentially round, which um, I'm frankly a little amazed at how, how well that worked. So, yeah, yeah I always thought that project would do, you know, being, good just with a fitted lid like that because the threading jig is a whole nother project to get into yeah. very cool but yeah a lot a project in itself so i wonder if there's somewhere that sells like a roll of gasket material that you could put on there you know what i mean like oh, a, yeah uh, almost like a t-molding type gasket material that has a splined edge on it so where you could route a you know a groove on the inside yeah. push the spline into it yeah, probably It'd be nice to be able to have like a rubber seal. That'd be really yeah. cool. That'd be a good so way to make a really big O ring, or or yeah, or a massive O ring, something like that. That's true. Yeah, but 
seemed like it was a pretty tight fit as it as it is but yeah no i i was really happy with how it turned out and it's like one of those things where i'm trying to get a little bit better at carving and i don't get to spend a ton of time on it so it's baby steps for me and i i had visions of you know having some word in there or whatever and i just that's Mm. that's beyond where i can go right now so just do what i can You've probably seen the Shaper Origin, that handheld CNC router. It's designed to help you do joinery, cabinetry, hardware installation, adding speed and precision to your shop, and helping you enjoy the craft of woodworking in a whole different way. Shaper has a special offer right now. You can have it in your shop for 30 days. Just check out shapertools.com to learn more. So even though you're in Mexico, any news for Popwood? Um... No, uh, I think last time I talked about how I had cut those, um, the pilasters for the watchmaker's cabinet. I was super happy with those. Um, looking forward to getting back on Friday. I'll be back by the time this, this episode airs. Uh, so any of you guys looking to go scavenge my lumber yard, don't think about <laughs> it. Uh, I'll be back, uh, Friday. So I have a bunch of dovetails to do, half-line dovetails to do for the drawers. Um, there's six drawers, so you got two half-lines on each side of the drawer front. I might just do one big dovetail in the back because why mess around with it, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and then make some molding um, with uh, some simple hollows and rounds and a rabbit plane. Cool. Um, and then that will be a pretty much done project. Um, I'm going to do the old finish I really liked lately has been just a scorching hot, like smoking hot linseed oil. Um, the linseed oil really soaks in when it's super hot. Like just put it on a hot plate, let it get super hot, flood it on, and then hit it with some um, paste wax uh, when I'm done. Sure. Um, I. I may put a coat of tongue oil over top of it and have it cited. Um, but I will tell you one thing that I have really enjoyed lately, and I, I don't know why I've always had this. I wouldn't say I've had a thing against using secondary woods, but I've always been like, well, if you're going to make the dang thing out of wall, just make everything out of wall. But mm-hmm. I'm at the point now where it's like, you know, I think there's some really good utilization for secondary woods. Um, and I think at some point here soon I'll do an article on that in Popwood. Um, because traditionally there's a bunch of secondary woods that you use because they're cheaper or they wear better or, you know, there's usually a particular reason. Um, so I used a bunch of um, basswood for the inner wood frames and the drawer sides on this um, cabinet. And I think it's really, really cool. Um, I like having that contrast when you open up out of the drawer. Um, it, it works extremely easily. So there's that one. Um, I do have, I was going to have an article on forging and ads with my buddy Andy, um, but he had to skip out on that article. So instead we're going to do a basic like hand plane restoration. So kind of a, you know, this article I showed using a lot of Lee Nielsen and Veritas hand planes and stuff. And there's no reason that somebody has to have a $500 hand plane to get the same results that I do. I mean, you can do it with a, 
with a $5 Stanley that you got at auction. So we're going to do a good cleanup article to kind of show, I think, two different paths when I do a, a restoration, either do I do like a, a user restoration or like a, you know, refurbish where it looks brand new. Yeah. Um, and that's a little more extravagant, not necessary in most, most aspects. So, mm-hmm. um, and then looking forward a little bit, I think we have, one of my next big projects, like the Watchmaker's Cabinet, that's a pretty small one. Like, you know, it doesn't take, uh, it takes time, especially when doing it with hand, tangibles and videos or uh, photos and stuff. But one of my next big projects is a, um, where we visit a workbench. And I, I keep telling myself it's going to be a shaker workbench because I really like that aesthetic of like the cabinet base. Right. But I don't know. I kind of want, Kind of want to do like a hybrid, like Scandinavian shaker workbench. All right. You know, with a big shoulder vice on it and stuff. I don't know. I haven't decided. Uh, I'm still kind of chewing on that one, I guess. So. Hmm. Okay. But, yeah. Yeah. Going back to your talking about uh, secondary woods on project parts, I've never really thought about that. I've always just uh, kind of designed and built projects say like using maple for drawers and stuff just because that's what looks right because that's what you know furniture is usually made with because traditionally that was you know a cheaper wood or had a reason for using that but like on a smaller project like yours where you might just have the walnut laying around because that's what the rest of the project is just to kind of build the rest of it out that way yeah well, and so. it's, it's kind of cool because this is actually, this basswood I'm using is the one that we, we cut on video, John, or you mm-hmm. helped me. Yep. Um, yep. And I kind of cut it for this. I mean, I cut it not for this project. I cut it for this reason was kind of as a secondary wood. You know, mm-hmm. it was one of those things like, well, you know, this, this limb isn't going to make great dimensional lumber, but for small pieces, it's perfect. Um, yeah. And, oh, my gosh. Oh, you can do anything you want with basswood, and it doesn't fight you. It's it's awesome. Hmm. So, it's pretty great. It does. My biggest issue with it is it gets a little fuzzy. It's always a little fuzzy. It never seems to yeah. really smooth out. Um, yeah. It, it just always seems to be a little fuzzy unless you cut it with a sharp blade. Um, well, I mean, there's other great woods you can use. I mean, you can use elm, you can use basswood, pine, um, soft maple. Um, mm-hmm. You know, here in Iowa, here in Iowa, I'm in Mexico, but in Iowa we have uh, uh, catalpa would make a great secondary wood, sure. and you don't see it very often. I mean, just kind of those things that you don't really want to make an entire project out of necessarily, but they're okay to shove in a closet somewhere. Yeah. You know? I remember mm-hmm. one of the designers here used to use uh, sycamore for drawer yeah. boxes. And uh, I believe he also said that uh, there was a time when he used willow. Interesting. Hmm. I mean, and it's those type of woods that don't necessarily have any commercial value. Right. Or resale value. I mean, the sycamore does if it's cut right. But, like, I'm not going to go pick up a sycamore log and say oh hey i'm gonna make a couple thousand dollars off cutting this like that's just not what i do yeah you know Mm -hmm. or walnut that's more a possibility um it's just a great way to use it rather than 
mulching it or stick it in the firewood pile. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or or jigs. I mean, that's another great use for some of that type of stuff is slapping together jigs and stuff. Yep. Cool. Yep. Well, this week we have, uh, by the time this airs, we'll have had it done, but we're going to have a special guest on the TV show, Brent Hull from Hull Historic Woodworks down in Fort Worth, Texas. Uh, we're going to do an episode on built-in projects. So it'll be kind of fun to have him on. And I think I'm going to have him uh, as a special guest on the podcast. So maybe next week we'll be able to have a sit down with Brent and chat with him about woodworking, especially from a restoration, preservation kind of viewpoint. You know, it's more of the carpentry aspect of woodworking rather than, you know, like we've had this discussion before about like DIY home improvement woodworking. And this is his, that's definitely not his lane. He's more of a, you know, built up solid wood moldings and capitals and columns and all that kind of stuff. So it'll be kind of fun to talk to him. And he's a kind of a history nerd too. So then we're also consolidating our office space here in Des Moines. We've had a bunch of people working from home and moved some departments around. And so we're in the middle of kind of like moving house. It sometimes walking around here feels a little bit like the end of semester in a dorm room or in a dorm <laughs> building. Cause there's just, boxes and piles and stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't know how it was at your guys' school, but it's like by the end of the semester, it's like the dorm room just didn't want the student in there anymore. So just kind of vomited it out <laughs> into the hallway. Yeah. That's yeah. kind of how it looks. Except yeah. this would be like the tenure professor that's never left his office in 50 <laughs> years. That's, that's more what this is like. Cause there's a lot of stuff. Yeah. 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 I feel like we need to like move or consolidate every about five years just so we can get rid of some of our stuff and not collect it so much like we have in the past. Yeah. But we'll get there. Park. Yep. So probably in the next month, maybe I think things will start to settle down by the end of March. I think we'll have most of the construction hammered out. So, yep. Yeah. I think we say that every month, though. In about right. a month, yeah. you know, we'll be caught yeah. up. It's, all, it's always one of those, like, and... yeah, just wait till the end of this issue, then we'll have time. Yeah, once this issue yeah. is done, or once yeah, this episode man. of the show is done, things will kind of ease up a little bit. And... They don't. Yeah. It doesn't. But... It's it's the delusions we tell ourselves. Yep. Like in woodworking, it'll be like, once you put finish on it, you'll never see that. Yeah. Well, and I don't know if we've talked about it really, but we had made the decision to get rid of basically our building that houses our entire offices. So we have our, our two buildings right now where one fills in as our studio. Uh, it has our photo, video, studio, customer service warehouse. Our shops are in there. Uh, and then across the street, we have a three-story building. And I don't know how many square foot it is, but it has to be close to what probably 30,000 square feet 
I would guess. Yeah, probably. Um, and our offices have been in there since the dawn of time. Um, and once COVID hit, we all started kind of working from home. We saw how well working from home worked, and it worked for most people um, better than coming into the office, especially those people that have a long commute every day. Um, we decided, hey, you know what? We're just going to keep this ball rolling and save that rent money. Um, and, yeah, have everybody work from home, give people some flexible office space if they'd like to come into the office. We'll set up some cubes that people can come in and work. Um, but definitely, you know, kind of the same story, I think, that a lot of companies are doing right now. Um, yeah. I'm glad that I am not in the commercial real estate market, <laughs> you know, <laughs> over the next couple of years. Uh, but, yeah, it's uh, it'll be fun. It'll be good once once it's all done. But yeah. just getting there is a hard <laughs> thing when you have 40 years of woodworking projects that need to move right somewhere. yep yeah it's it, it does have a cleaning out your grandma's basement kind of feel to it yeah you find some cool stuff that you forgot about or you're like oh this was here i didn't know i didn't remember this yeah or <laughs> why did we or keep been, this or i've been looking yeah yeah or i've been looking for this for 10 years and this is where it was yeah. or ew. yeah <laughs> so if you're traveling over the summer and are going through the state of iowa and you want to stop in and take a tour of the offices we'll have something new and exciting to show you it's kind of fun it's got <clears throat> you know we moved our video studio over here a few years ago and it was <clears throat> a big improvement because we were able to be much closer to our offices and the studio. And I think this is going to be even a little better. It's got kind of a, it's got kind of like a live work feel where we have our office cubes and basically just on the other side of where my screen is, is the video studio. So we can be like in the shop and right here going all the time. Yeah. So, well, that, that was my big question. Like with our offices being in our studio, where we film the TV show, but we also do a lot of personal woodworking in there as well. Are we going to do more or less woodworking? <laughs> personal woodworking? I'm going to say more. <laughs> probably more. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's it's kind of fun to be able to do that where it's, you know, you've been typing away at the computer for a while, answering emails or writing an article or mm -hmm. something, and then be like, Oh, I can quick do this as a screen break and then come back and hit it again. And mm -hmm. although I, I think, think it's one thing that's kind of fun is I feel like in the last year or so is we've kind of, and for John, he's been doing this ever since he's been here is like all projects are personal. <laughs> so yeah. right here, yeah, in my heart is being able to, like, hey, I'm really want to make this because I want to try this skill, or I've always wanted to make X or whatever. Um, and we just do it, whether it's for YouTube or the TV show or something like that. That I feel like does make some of the projects more personal. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, I, yeah. I think that there are a handful of us that are probably closer to most of the projects than others. Especially since we're not only working on it in the magazine, we're working on a video, we're working on photos. I mean, it's like, right. you kind of, 
not to sound weird, but you get intimate with the project because you're it's there all the time. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be interesting too with our offices kind of being right there in the video studio workshop area. If it'll be like, hey, I'm going to do this. Why don't you flip on the cameras and we'll yeah. just shoot some video while we're all sitting here and there'll be more of that or. Yeah, I don't not, know. So. Maybe that would be kind of cool to be able to get some of that off the cuff woodworking. I mean, because there's some of the stuff where you do. Like when you know you have people watching you, you do it a little bit more formally or whatever. But there's, mm-hmm. uh, I think it becomes a little bit, again, just without trying to overuse it, a little bit more personal because we all have different workflows when we're working on our own compared to when we're trying to shoot something for a TV show episode. Right. Yeah. I, I guess that would be a good question for our people that listen and read and follow us and whatever is do people like the more formal type presentation? Because definitely the show, video edition, that type of stuff, when we have our studio set up, it's definitely more of a formal presentation type of working where, mm-hmm. you know, camera Phil, camera Logan, camera John is not the same as in the shop, Phil, Logan, or John, by any means. Yeah. Uh, right. And you definitely can see the difference if you look between like what we do on Woodsmith shop and you look at what somebody does on YouTube. And I wonder if people mm-hmm. have a, if they favor one way or the other in particular, you know, cause I mean, yeah. we're, you know, not to sound stuck. You know, we're pretty cool guys, but, <laughs> but three wild and yeah, crazy guys well, I mean, just like, hanging out in the shop. We're all pretty genuine, but I feel like some of that gets a little lost when you're on camera. Because it's yeah. very like, yeah. Game face is on, you know. Personality goes out the window just a little bit, you know. Um, yeah. Where it's like, you know, if I'm in the shop, I'm like, yeah, the right way to do this would be with the minor gauge at the table saw, but I'm a free hand at the bandsaw, and I'm gonna accept the consequences yeah. later, <laughs> you yeah. know. Yeah. So, I mean, some of that comes from the fact of like, if we're doing it on camera there's setup involved in going from being at the bench to the table saw or whatever. Whereas when we're in the shop, it's, you know, we're, we can bounce between tools really quickly and easily. Yeah. So that would be interesting Mm -hmm. to know, like, is there a time and a place for each one or does somebody have a preference and why, why would, why do you have that preference? Yeah. 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 I've, I've kind of seen both, uh, comments both ways i guess people that are used to youtube sometimes they're like hey we don't want to hear you talk so much just get to it and just shut up and do it and then i hear people like hey thanks for explaining all of that and not just playing some music in the background woodworking and not really giving yeah, any running it at four times so, speed yeah and maybe that's the distinct yeah. difference is the show stuff and the video stuff we do tends to try to be more educational where they you know we want mm-hmm. somebody to be able to at least take something away from it Whereas a lot of the YouTube type stuff or the off the cuff stuff tends to be more entertainment than it does informational. Like their mm-hmm. mission is not necessarily to teach you something or to show you a particular skill. Um, yeah. It's just to kind of let you know what they have going on, show what they're doing, and that's pretty much it. So. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, and I think you can find balance between yeah. all those, or yeah, you know. So. Cool. All right. One thing that I'm kind of looking forward to 
that I've had on my radar for a really long time is uh, I've always loved Hans Wegner's valet chair that he designed. And I know that this is not the world we live in now, but you know, his valet chair, if you Google it is designed to hold men's dress clothes, a jacket, slacks, and all the accessories in a chair ready for your day. And I've always admired the look of it. And I thought it would be kind of a fun project to reinterpret because I feel like, and apparently this is why I've been here this long is that I've seen some trends of, you know, like wearing sport coats is kind of cool in a, you know, in a relaxed way with jeans or whatever. But even if you have just a layered look, being able to have a place to keep your clothes. And then his chair also had a compartment for kind of your everyday carry stuff of wallet and keys and phone and whatnot. So, uh, mm -hmm. and I've wanted to have it in the magazine and it's sort of been scheduled and then usually gets kicked down the road, but being the executive editor means that I can actually get that done now. Throwing his weight so, around. Right. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. So Dylan, uh, who's on vacation right now, just dropped off over the weekend plans for the people who are looking at the, at the YouTube version here mm -hmm. for uh, his interpretation of a valet chair. So I'm kind of excited to see this taking shape. So if you're watching our Facebook live shop updates, on Thursday afternoons. Uh, I think Mark is starting on that this week. So it'll be kind of cool to see where that goes. And mm -hmm. I may, may end up building one along with it just because I've always wanted to see how it, how it looks. So. Mm -hmm. I'd like to see like a valet type chair for a guy that, you know, has a pair of jeans that he might wear every day for a week. And, you know, a sweatshirt that he may or may not, you know, throw back on That's the right. next day or just someplace to throw the clothes mm -hmm. that, you know, if I have to get up in the middle of the night and the let the dog man, out, they're right there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Every day. It's like, it's not quite dirty yet. <laughs> yep. I might wear it again. It's not, hasn't made it to the hamper yet. So but it's the, at know. least I won't get yelled at for leaving it on the floor yeah. place. It's Right. It's there. It's not in the hamper because it's not it, yeah. dirty no, yet. Yes, I wore it. Yeah. Right. Yep. Yes. Yeah. There's layers well, plus, here. I mean, since it's hanging up then, you can kind of hit it with some Febreze, which I believe, right. I'm I'm go. not sure of the chemistry, but I'm pretty sure cleans it. Yes, I think so. Mm-hmm. Use like an yeah. aromatic wood, yeah. you know? Oh, that's what we need. We need like a little like smoking so. bin on the bottom of it where you can like smoke your clothes with like you know yeah oh there you go or uh yeah essential oils there probably yeah. that you, you can just kind of mm -hmm. have in there so that you can be you can have your chi re-energized just by putting on yep. the clothes that you you know maybe i will have to have mm -hmm. it propped as both like a sport coat business office wear and then also a uh, a John Doyle sweatshirt. Yeah. yeah. Blue collar. Yeah. Agree. This all works. Yep. 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 I like it. Probably one of the shop notes sweatshirts. So for those people who want to participate 
can check out woodsmith.com slash store and check out the swag that we have going on there. Now, speaking of which, I wore my Shop Notes podcast t-shirt to the airport. Nobody recognized me. Come on. That's the problem with radio. <laughs> oh. I will say the funny part is, is that uh, uh, my kids, you know, in school, they periodically go through the career day or career week kind of things. And uh, my son was experiencing that. And so I just, you know, do you actually know what I do? And he says, yeah, you're a YouTuber. <laughs> yes. That's that's how yep, he sees basically. me. You're just a content creator yep. out here. Yep. Social media. And I've had that. People... I've had it both ways where somebody will recognize me from being on the TV show and talk about TV show stuff. And other people will be, Hey, you're that guy on YouTube. And it's like, yeah. wow. We're two totally different audiences. Yep. Mm-hmm. Just so. to be clear, that was a joke <laughs> about not being recognized. <laughs> uh. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe on the way back. <laughs> Flying through Atlanta on the way back. When, when, yep. when Customs is going through your fish and <laughs> yep. flour bags, they're like, oh my gosh, I think that's the guy from Woodsmith getting arrested. Yep. Mm-hmm. Or Pop Wood. Oh. Just make sure you have one of your mugs with you. Just... That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, grease the palm a little bit. Yep. Yep. All right, this episode's been brought to you by Shaper Tools. You might know them as the makers of that Shaper Origin. It's that handheld router-looking thing that's connected to a CNC. lets you add digital precision to your woodworking. You can do all kinds of stuff like hardware installation, uh, cabinetry construction, joinery. All of that you can do with speed and precision. They have a really cool offer now where you can try it in your shop for 30 days risk-free. If you'd like to see what all the fuss is about, check them out at shapertools.com. Thanks for listening, everybody, to the Shop Notes podcast. As always, I'd love it if you could rate and review the show wherever you get your podcasts. That helps us to get out to more and more folk and be able to share the conversation and the joys and challenges of woodworking. Otherwise, we'll see you again next week, everybody. Bye.